I wasn't afraid of water at all. Uh, in my head, water wasn't dangerous. Like, drowning wasn't a thing in my head. So whenever we went to the swimming pool, I would just jump into the pool. Granted, I didn't know how to swim, so then someone had to jump in and get me. Hello and welcome to the First Principles podcast, a show where we talk about mindsets from the perspective of first principles thinking. And today, I'm here with Nicholas, and the mindset of the week is autonomy. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Let's just start off with what does autonomy mean to you? Um, to me, autonomy is uh, taking responsibility to do things by yourself. Um, so. Basically, if you want to do something, take responsibility. If you don't know how to do something, figure it out um, so that when you're stuck, then you do it by yourself and you're not always looking for help because there's not always someone to help you. How does this mindset relate to your life? Um, so I was homeschooled. Uh, so my mom only forced me to uh, do uh, French and math and everything else that I learned had to be myself, um, because there were only two mandatory subjects. Uh, so I taught myself how to code cause I was interested in that. Uh, if I wasn't autonomous, I wouldn't know how to code, right? Cause I spent time by myself figuring it out. Uh, after that I did a lot of karate, uh, so again, I needed to practice by myself. Even today, when I write everything I want to do, uh, when I wake up in the morning, I don't go to my mom or my parents and ask, hey, so what am I doing today? No, I know exactly what I'm doing. Everything's written down. I know what I'm doing on that day and what I want to accomplish. Oh, so do you plan out your days ahead of time? Yeah, yeah. I uh, plan out my days the night before. So you were homeschooled your whole life. Are you still being homeschooled? Uh, this semester, I am going to an online school, uh, but I'm going back to homeschooling after this semester. What are some differences or you have experienced or how was your general homeschooling experience? Uh, homeschooling is definitely my favorite out of everything that I've done. Um, because I have a lot more free time to focus on the things I want. Homeschooling isn't for everyone, again, because uh, you mo a lot of homeschoolers need to be autonomous because uh, you have to, you only have a few subjects usually that are mandatory, and then a lot of other subjects you need to teach yourself. Um, so you can learn to be autonomous, but being a homeschooler, uh, you usually have to be autonomous to be successful as a homeschooler. Um, some of the differences between online school and homeschooling. Uh, so first of all, in homeschooling, I don't usually have deadlines. So I can just take, it's a self-paced program basically. So I can do as much as I want in a day or as little as I want in a day. Um, and it's just, it's mastery. So I just try and master something instead of, and I don't have grades either. So again, it's mastery, so I try and master something um, to then know how it works. Um, so that's one of the main differences between online school and homeschooling, is that I don't have grades when I'm being homeschooled. So how do you measure whether you have mastered a subject? Uh, I guess it's kind of just intuition. I think that's the word. Uh, like if I if I sit down and try and do something um, and I don't uh, like stumble my way through every single little step, um, then I know how to do it. If I still stumble my way through every little step, then I probably don't know how to do it. How's like so as someone who is not homeschooled, I don't know much about um, this. So do you? Want to outline your typical day uh, in like being homeschooled? Sure. Uh, so I would usually, uh, I used to wake up really late, like 9 a.m. And then I would go downstairs, eat breakfast, 
Then I would have like two to three hours of school. And the rest of the day was whatever I wanted to do. Um, and then I also just had like a one hour uh, screen time limit where I couldn't use more than one hour of time to just watch random videos or watching a show or something like that. So if I were to use screens, I would need it to be educational in some way. So learning how to code. Uh, but yeah. And then after like the rest of the day, then I would just go to bed again. Um, so I only really had two to three hours of schoolwork every single day. So the schoolwork would be what your mom assigns you? Yeah, exactly. So um, you talk about your screen time limit. So do you ever find it's difficult for you to keep the screen time limit? Uh, I mean, I definitely spend way too much time on screens, but I don't waste my time on screens. Uh, so I'll spend like eight hours a day on my computer, which is way too much, but I'm either working on like now school assignments or not now because it's the winter break. But, uh, when school is on, it would be school assignments or TKS where I'm doing, working on my focus or doing explore modules. Or if I'm writing an article, making a video, editing a video or on a podcast, talking to someone like this is all in front of my computer, but I don't consider it a waste of time. Yeah, I understand that. So, so you don't waste much time on screens. That's a pretty good thing because I feel like a lot of people that I know and me as well tend to waste a lot of time on screens. So what are, how, what are your tips on or how do you manage to be productive? Uh, so first of all, I, to, I eliminate all distractions. So I'm upstairs in my room right now. Um, my door's locked. No one can come in or, and it's like, I, I live on, uh, like fairly isolated. I'm the only person or the only other person on this floor is my older brother. Um, and that's it. So I'm fairly isolated up here. So my siblings or family don't distract me while I'm working. And then I always close like Slack or uh, Discord or any other messaging program that I might have while I'm working so that I don't, ne don't get notified um, of anything and just immediately get pulled out of flow. Um, because it can take up to like 20 minutes to get back to doing something if you get pulled out of it. Um, so that's the main thing for when I'm working on something. Uh, and to, but then the other thing is YouTube is still a thing. You can always just hop onto YouTube and like watch a random video because YouTube's always on your computer. Um, there are some extensions that you can use to like block out a website. I don't actually use those. Um, I just basically set out, uh, set time blocks. And also I have a group of people that keep me accountable for um, completing all my goals for the day. So I literally don't have time to waste my time because I need to do everything that I have planned. So I just have little time blocks in my calendar. Everything is blocked out. And during those times, I am working on the thing that I blocked out. What's your time blocking process? Do you like set deadlines? Do you like plan out the minutes or hours specifically or do you like write the general thing you want to do or so i time block my day in 15 minute intervals but tasks can take up to like as long as i want them to so i'll block out like in the morning now i wake up around like 6 a.m um so and i only start working around 7 30 uh so like from 7 30 to let's say 8 30 um I'm doing this thing or writing my newsletter. Then from 8.30 to 9, then I am uh, going over my newsletter and correcting everything. Then from then after that, I post my newsletter in the Slack channel. There's a little reminder as well that just tells me, like, uh, you need to do this uh, for tasks. So that even if it's smaller than 15 minutes, um, then it, there's still a little reminder. Um, but the smallest tasks that I'll block are 15 minute tasks. Um, but then after that, I also add a lot of buffers. 
so that if I do go overtime, I have like 30 minutes of time where uh, it's just fine because I can just recover uh, by moving things down or moving things up. Oh, that's cool. So, okay, so you have buffer time. So, so what if, like, let's say you planned out you're going to work on your newsletter for this hour and then you're going to, let's say, do a, write an article for the next hour and then if once you have finished, like, let's say you're, you'll finish your newsletter by nine and then at nine, you're not done your newsletter or you are into flow state with the newsletter. You want to keep going. Would you stick with your time box plan or would you, uh, just do the newsletter, like finish the thing you're working on? Uh, I would finish the newsletter and then just push everything down. Um, so that happens quite a lot. I, like, I adjust my schedule, like, about five to ten times a day um, because I either go overtime or I do things much faster than I expected I would do them. So everything is always being adjusted. Um, so if I do decide that I want to spend more time on something, then I'll just adjust everything else. So where do you time box? What do you use? I use Google Calendar to time box everything. Yeah, Google Calendar is a great one. So, so okay, so back to um, about homeschooling, that's something I'm pretty interested in. So how was, um, okay, so you talk about how you were learned, taught yourself to code, right? You want to kind of explain the process of how you did that? Sure. Uh, so a few years ago, I broke two of my fingers accidentally. And I could, and they were on my right hand and I'm right handed. So I just couldn't do anything with my right hand. I couldn't write anything down. Uh, I couldn't like hold anything very well. So I just couldn't do anything, uh, school related. Um, but even back then I hated wasting time in general. So, uh, with like a few weeks of having a cast, uh, on my hand and not being able to write anything. Uh, I taught myself how to code with scratch, like the, uh, block coding where you drag and drop something. And so I just followed a whole bunch of YouTube tutorials over and over and over and over. And this was all autonomous. Uh, I could have chosen to just sit in front of my computer and watch random YouTube videos uh, or watch Netflix or something like that. But chose to teach myself how to code. Um, and that was completely autonomous because my mom didn't have, doesn't know how to code. And my dad is a programmer, but he needs to work during the day. So it, not, no one was really there to teach me. So I just used YouTube to teach myself how to code. Then after a few, like a year or two of learning how to code in scratch and being fairly good at it, uh, I went to an alternative school and I joined a game design, uh, group or game development group. And then I wanted to learn C sharp so that I could actually program video games. So that is something I do. That's how I learned how to code was using YouTube, uh, to follow tutorials to code video games. And I would participate in game jams. So basically, uh, I would get a small amount of time and a theme to make a video game. Uh, so, for example, one of them was I had 48 hours to make a game with the theme Keep It Alive. So for that, I need to code everything. I need to draw everything. I need to make the music. Everything needs to be done by myself in 48 hours. So those were great learning opportunities. For anyone that's learning how to code, I honestly recommend Game Jams because the amount of stuff I learn in that 48 hour window is amazing. So definitely would recommend it to anyone. How did that game turn out? Uh, so that one turned out horribly. Actually, I've published like 16 games now. Uh, I would only consider two or three of them actually fun and every single other one, uh, are horrible. Um, like they're not fun to play, uh, but I learned so much from making them 
And without making them, I wouldn't be able to make those two or three games that I think are actually fun. What's one game that you made that you think is fun? You want to tell us about it? Sure. Uh, so this one, basically, you're a blue cube, and you are able to move around and dash around, and then there are red cubes and circles that uh, arrive onto the screen, and they're the enemies. You need to avoid the enemies, um, but you can't uh, eliminate them, but the enemies are able to eliminate each other. So that very simple mechanic of not being able to eliminate enemies, but enemies being able to eliminate each other. So either them running into each other or uh, basically shooting each other uh, would kill them or delete them because they're not exactly, they're just shapes. Um, so they would just disappear. Um, but the player needed to position uh, position their character in a way to make the other enemies attack each other. Wow, so what was your process for creating that game? For this one, the... What was the theme for this? Uh, the theme for this one was limited space. So you don't have a lot of space to move around, but the first thing I did was I sat down, or really I, it, like, I brainstormed ideas on a Google Doc, and I went to a whiteboard and just basically sketched out ideas. And then from that, I chose the idea I liked the most. Then I made art for it. Usually I don't make art first because it's like the least important step. If you have amazing art but no game, you don't have a game. If you have a game but no art, it's fine because you still have a game. Um, so for this one, the art was extremely simple. So I made it first. Uh, and then after that, I put it into the game and was able to submit. And I actually scored seventh place on this game jam, which is really cool. It's the highest score I've ever gotten, so I was really happy with that, but yeah. Cool. Seventh place out of how many? Uh, 70-something. Wow, good job. Thanks. Where can people find this game? It's on my itch.io page. I can, uh, I can probably just send you the link. All right, I'll link it in the show notes for people who are listening. All right. Hmm. So how long ago did you start coding again? I guess it kind of depends because I started coding Scratch four or five years ago, I think. Um, and then started coding in C Sharp uh, two or three years ago. I can't quite remember. Wow. That's a long time to be self-learning. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think... Okay, so being autonomous helped you because um, you're homeschooled, right? So you have to teach yourself how to code. And you also mentioned karate, right? How How's that? Karate's great. Um, I really enjoyed it, but uh, because of the whole quarantine thing, karate is currently not a thing. But I I had been doing karate for about 10 years uh, when quarantine hit. Uh, but in karate, basically, you, you have your, your sensei that teaches you things in general, like teaches the entire class. But then you need to also practice what you're taught um, in the dojo. You need to practice that at home. Uh, for example, the katas. Uh, you need to practice them because you're basically memorizing things. You can't just do the catches once a week and then just know everything. You need to practice them at home. Um, but back then, there was only my... Actually, when I started, my mom, my dad, my older brother, and I were doing karate. Um, but then in later years, um, uh, my mom stopped, my dad stopped. Then it was only my older brother and I. Um, and then after more time, my older brother stopped. So once that happened, I was the only one doing karate. Uh, and I needed to practice everything by myself. Uh, so I needed to remain autonomous for that. So, yeah. Uh, and another thing, uh, in the past, like, one last year, 
uh, I was a sensei at the dojo. So I was teaching other people karate. Um, and in the first year of doing that, or the first few months, I had n absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I was like afraid of doing something that would then lead to me being in trouble. Um, but that made me not a great sensei because I always had to ask uh, the person in charge of the school if I could do this before I would actually do it. But then after like, a few months of uh, like kind of stumbling through everything, I suddenly, something clicked in my head and I noticed I need to be autonomous for this and do it by myself. And from that point on, then I was actually able to teach other people karate. How has that shift in being autonomous impacted how you teach? Uh, so I used to be like very shy uh, as a sensei, um, which would lead to the people I'm teaching uh, not uh, respect me in general. Like I would say, tell them to do something, they would, they would just kind of ignore it. Because again, uh, when I did this, I was only like uh, 13. So and I was teaching other kids. So they're only like a year or two younger than me. Um, and I'm basically telling them what to do. Uh, so that would lead to a lot of them basically not respecting what I was telling them to do or just doing other things or not doing what I'm asking them to do right on purpose. Um, but then after, so that was when I, I wasn't autonomous because I wasn't confident in what I was doing. Uh, so when I wasn't confident, they could pick that they would be able to pick it up and basically like throw it back at me, I guess. Um, but then something clicked and then I suddenly became confident. And uh, that was the point where people actually started to listen to me. Uh, because when I told them to do something, like it was clear, I was clearly asking them to do something. And it was like, I guess before as well, um, because I was young, there wasn't anything uh, like there wasn't any consequence to not listening to me, unlike the uh, people in charge of the school or the dojo. If you don't listen to them, there is a consequence. Um, but me being a new sensei didn't notice that I could make a consequence. But then after that clicked, I noticed, yeah, there is a consequence for not listening to me. I am their sensei. They should listen to me. So from that point on, I basically imposed a consequence for not listening to me. And then people actually started to listen. So, what was the consequence? Uh, depended what they did. Um, so usually at karate, something we do a lot is uh, not listening leads to push-ups. Uh, so, for example, uh, if you didn't put enough power into a punch or a kick, uh, and you were basically just sloppy, just going just kind of flailing your arms around without any intention, uh, that would lead to a certain amount of push-ups, I guess, depending on how I was feeling at the time. Um, or just in general, not listening to me and not paying attention, that leads to push-ups again. So karate has a lot of discipline. Uh, so again, uh, doing 10 years of karate led to me having a decent amount of discipline which also helps me remain autonomous. Oh, so karate helped you with discipline. How has that, how has that discipline helped you in other areas of your life? Well, uh, a main one that I can immediately think of is when I go on YouTube to learn something and then I get all the recommended videos, I can immediately stop myself from just clicking on one of them. Like I, I'm able to just watch the video and then exit YouTube without clicking on anything else. Um, I go to bed around nine every single night and wake up around six every single night at morning. A lot of people just aren't able to do that in general. So that's another one. Um, I try and eat healthy. It's kind of hard because society is like so much onto sugar. Uh, so it's kind of hard to not eat too much sugar because wherever I go, um, there's always sugar, except at home because most of my uh, family doesn't eat that much sugar. But even then, even at home, there's still sugar everywhere. Um, 
So I need to still stop myself from eating sugar. Have you ever struggled with discipline? Uh, str struggling to uh, stop myself from doing something, you mean? Like, uh, like stopping myself to eat sugar. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so for a while, actually, I had digestive issues. I kind of still do. Um, but sugar was, like, really bad for me. Um, and I would eat just a little bit and then be in extreme pain for, like, the rest of the day around, like, my chest. Uh, so for that, I just completely cut out sugar because it was too painful to eat sugar. So that kind of helped for the sugar area because then there's always this, like, little voice in my head that's like, you shouldn't eat the sugar because you're going to be in extreme pain for the rest of the day if you do. And even though that doesn't happen to me anymore, there's still like a little reminder in my head. Um, going to sleep early, I try and follow it the best I can. Um, but I am the person that goes to sleep the earliest in my family, even though um, the youngest person in my family is five years younger than me. Um, I am the person that goes to sleep the earliest. So that's kind of hard to keep up because everyone else in my family stays up later than I do. Uh, and everyone wakes up late. So that's kind of hard because I want to spend time with my family, but at the same time, I want to work on things and I'm extremely, I'm like at least three times more productive in the morning than I am at night. So that was, so that one's hard to keep up. Um, and then the other thing, did I mention anything else for discipline? Things that help me with discipline. Mm, I think you talk about YouTube recommendations. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for the YouTube recommendations. Uh, I guess for that one, I don't really struggle with it because I also set like intentional time for when it's like, all right, I'm allowed to waste time in this specific uh, time block. I time block time to waste time um, because I, I kind of need to. Like, I need to take breaks once in a while. So whenever I go, so, something I do for, like, YouTube recommendations, because it's an algorithm. It shows you exactly what you want to see. Uh, so what I do for that is I'll kind of, like, save the link, and then in my time block time for you can waste time here, then I'll just kind of copy the paste, like, copy and paste the link again. But, yeah. How often do you keep like for example you want to sleep at nine like how many days of a week do you usually achieve that uh i guess it depends on the week um for a while i would hit it every single day um like go to sleep at nine wake up at six again and again and again uh then I, that kind of broke because um i started online school actually when i started online school i would hit it consistently then a bit further into the semester then I kind of started to degrade because I needed to work more on my assignments and also keep up with TKS. So I would like stay up later, wake up later, and then that kind of degraded into staying up really late, waking up really late. Um, the best thing to do th for that is just to reset your sleep cycle. Um, so basically one day, just wake up at six, be extremely tired for that day, and then you'll be tired when you go to bed at nine. And then you can fall asleep again and you've reset your sleep schedule. Um, but for uh, the week of Christmas and New Year's Eve, that screwed up my sleep schedule so much. Um, but I don't care about it because I was doing things with my family. So, uh, like, if it's a special occasion, then I don't mind uh, going to sleep late and waking up late. So it kind of depends, right? Like, if it's an important occasion... I'll very often just break things, break some of the things that I try and usually keep during the week um, because it's a special occasion. What makes something a special occasion? Like, because if you want to find it, like at least for me, if I want to find an excuse for myself any day to not keep my habit, like I can't find an excuse, right? So how do you distinguish between what's a, what counts as a special occasion and what just counts as an excuse? Uh, I guess a special occasion is something 
that affects more than me, more people than me. So for example, Christmas or New Year's Eve or New Year's or um, the, the birthday of someone in my family or I guess this one is kind of an exception, but my own birthday. On my own birthday, I don't uh, like do a lot of the things that uh, I usually keep. Like on my birthday, I will eat sugar, right? Like there, it, it's my birthday. <laughs> and on New Year's Eve, I'll eat sugar. On Christmas, I'll eat sugar. Now, the day after that, my productivity is not great. My focus, I can barely focus on anything. But the day itself is like, I'll break it because it is some kind of celebration. And I don't want to be that person that's just kind of not doing anything. Um, and also, like, it's, it's fun, right? Yeah. You, you need to have a, a bit of fun. Like, you can't always be at max productivity. You can't always be at max focus. You need to have some kind of break once in a while. Mm. Do you ever find it hard to go back to your habits after breaking it once? Um, it depends on the habit. Um, like, if I stay up late one day, then I kind of need to wait for the entire week because I'm basically busy every single day, except usually on Sundays. Um, so usually I'll reset my sleep schedule on Sunday. So I'll just like go stay up later on Saturday and then wake up at six. And I'll be tired for all of Sunday because I didn't get enough sleep. Um, so that one is kind of hard because I need to, like if I screw up my sleep schedule Monday, then I need to wait until Sunday to reset it again. Um, so that's one that's kind of hard to come back to. Uh, eating sugar is an easier one because, uh, I'll like instantly feel it if I eat sugar, like I'll eat sugar and then the next day I won't feel great. Um, like my focus will be off. My efficiency won't be great. Uh, I won't like, I'll feel kind of sick. Um, so then on that day, I don't, I don't even feel like eating sugar because I already feel like not great. So eating more sugar isn't going to help with that. Um, so on New Year's Eve, when I ate a lot of sugar on New Year's Eve and then on New Year's, um, on the New Year's day, uh, like that, I ate sugar again, but I didn't eat as much because I already didn't feel great and I didn't feel like feeling even worse. So it really depends on the habit. Mm, I see. So how has autonomy, how was autonomy first like introduced to your life? Gonna be honest, I've been autonomous for as long as I can remember. Like, uh, ever since, like, I've been doing things by myself for a very long time. I can't really remember any kind of trigger that would have led to me becoming autonomous. As I've mentioned before, like, homeschooling kind of amplified autonomy. Because if I wanted to do more things, then I kind of needed to learn by myself. So that amplified autonomy. But I already had, I already kind of was autonomous. Um, so yeah, I don't really have an answer for that question. So, okay. So what were some, like, do you have any early memories of like being autonomous, like at a young age? Uh, so. It's not exactly a memory, but it's more of stories that I've heard about when I was younger. Um, I wasn't afraid of water at all. Uh, in my head, water wasn't dangerous. Like, drowning wasn't a thing in my head. So whenever we went to the swimming pool, I would just jump into the pool. Granted, I didn't know how to swim. So then someone had to jump in and get me. So... I kind of, I guess, learned how to swim a bit from that. Like, because I wasn't afraid of the water at all, um, when we, when I ended up taking swimming classes, and I was already ahead of my level because a lot of people were already afraid of the water. Um, so 
this one is like a really dangerous example of me just jumping into the water and not understanding the danger of it. But from doing that, um, I wasn't afraid of the water and I was able to do other things. Uh, so I guess that's a small example of learning how to swim in air quotes, uh, because uh, I probably would have drowned many times if no one jumped in to save me. Uh, so that's a very early example. Uh, something else is, uh, there, there, I used to do these things, like when I was younger again, I used to do these things where I would have like a whole bunch of little stickers and it's basically a color by number, but with stickers instead. Um, and I would do that completely by myself. So that's, and uh, like you're asking you for really early examples, but the early examples, there, there's not much there because I, I didn't do anything much when I was four or five or six. So, yeah, I guess yeah. it's just small activities that I would do by myself. Yeah, but how you train is how you perform, right? So how you act at a young age does get amplified, like with the color by stickers. Um, I could like relate to that. I used to have a bunch of like, I don't know, like kind of Lego pieces, but like not Legos, like similar type. And I would just try to build like my own type of structures on my own based on the image I had in my head. And it was, yeah, like, but yeah, I guess it's small things. So, so what do you think made like autonomy? What were factors that made autonomy a big part of your life? Uh, like even like when you were young. Why, like, why do you think you weren't scared of the water or? Uh, hmm. So why I wasn't afraid of the water. That's. That's something I will never be able to answer. I've asked myself so many times, but, uh, like, it's just such a random thing. So that one I can't answer, but I guess things that caused me to be autonomous at a young age, my parents have always encouraged autonomy. I had this conversation with my dad at some point where he asked me what I wanted to do when I was older. And I said, I wanted to be a programmer. Um, and then he just told me, why don't you start now? So he like, it's mainly like start early, um, starting early in general. Like my parents have always encouraged autonomy, which is great. Um, and then again, with homeschooling that really amplified it, um, because I wanted to learn things other than math and English and because I have a lot of siblings, I have three other siblings. Um, like uh, at the time I had one other sibling. Yeah, my older brother. Uh, like, I guess in general now, I don't, I, I do everything by myself now, but at, when I was younger, my mom would teach me English and no, French and math, then teach my older brother French and math or my older brother than me, doesn't really matter. Um, and then I would learn a lot of things by myself, I guess, just screwing around in the mud uh, and catching bugs. That's something I used to do a lot, catch bugs and then, like, look at the bugs. Um, but, yeah, it was always encouraged to ha be autonomous when I was younger. So I guess that's one of the main causes. So how do you think parents can encourage their kids to be more autonomous? I would say... Um, parents can encourage their kids to be more autonomous by encouraging them to do things by themselves. Uh, so if, for example, my, my older brother wanted to open an Etsy shop this week, um, and my dad helped him open an Etsy shop, which is good. Like, it's great to have someone to help you. But something else he could have done was to send a few tutorials to my older brother and tell him, follow these and open your Etsy shop. Um, so like, basically, I, parents should encourage their children to do things by themselves and to do things outside of their comfort zones by themselves. 
And a main reason, I think, that a lot of people aren't autonomous is that they're afraid to fail. So if you're afraid to fail by yourself, you're not going to be autonomous. But here's the great thing about being autonomous. You're failing by yourself. No one knows you failed. You're failing by yourself. There's no one there watching you failing. So it doesn't matter if you fail because you just learn again. No, no one is there. So I guess you, you, to be autonomous, you need to fail quickly. Learn not be, af not to be afraid of failure. Um, and try new things. So parents should encourage their children to try new things, start early, um, and experiment. Mm, yeah, I guess in um, like entrepreneurship culture, there's some saying that's like fall fast and like, I guess, try again. It's like if 90% of startups fail, then I will start 10 startups. Like you fail fast and then failure is like the most direct feedback, right? So then you learn how to not do it and then you can do it better the next time. And yeah, just all about iterations. Yeah, it's... Uh, a quote I heard somewhere. I, I don't quite remember who said it. It's uh, success is failure and then quickly recovering. Yeah, the master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. Yeah, that's a good one. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, how has autonomy helped you get help to get you to where you are today um so now i guess the main thing i'm doing now is the knowledge society um so i'm going to answer that question in how has autonomy helped me get into the knowledge society because that's basically the only thing i do now um so and i love it by the way like i love doing it everything inside of the Knowledge Society. So how has autonomy helped me? Well, now we're, we're, I'm going to start, I'm going to tell the story of how I got into DKS. Uh, so it starts off with me not being autonomous and my mom telling me about TKS. Um, and then I wrote the app or I, uh, I tried writing the application and it just wasn't working because I used to have a lot of anxiety and I would like sit down, start writing a paragraph and then immediately get an anxiety attack and not be able to continue. And I would just need to like sit out, like forget about the program for like a week and then sit down again, write a bit more of a paragraph and ha have immediately another anxiety attack and need to sit out again. Um, so the first year of applying went extremely slowly and I never actually finished my application the first year I wanted to apply. Then the second year came around. And this time I decided I really wanted to get into the Knowledge Society. Um, now I still had quite a lot of anxiety, but it wasn't nearly as bad. So I would sit down, like write, start answering questions because the applications for the questions and the applications for the Knowledge Society, they're like some of the deepest questions I ever answered. Like, how, what do you want to do in your life? Who do you see yourself being in 10 years? Um, things like that. So that was like, and I really needed to think about them and answer them truthfully. So that induced like a lot of anxiety in me. But uh, it took a long time. And then I was able to write my application and my parents did help me with my application because I had way too much anxiety to write it completely by myself. So after writing the application and the first step of the application going through, um, and that step being accepted after that, I needed to make an introduction video. Um, and this I did completely by myself. So I needed to watch a video and then answer a question for the, from the video and then make a video explaining my answer to the question and then send it to my application form. Um, and I did this completely by myself um, because, it's, I mean, my parents couldn't really help me with this because, like, if they watched the video and choose a point for me, 
and an, a question to answer from the video for me, it's not really like actually me answering the question. So this one I had to do completely by myself and autonomy really helped me with this. So I was able to make the video and send it and then that got accepted. Then the last step of the application was a one-on-one -on -one meeting with, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Naveed or Nadine. I can't quite remember which one it, it was um, because I didn't, when I applied, I didn't quite realize that they were important people. I'm going to put this out there. I didn't realize they were important people. Um, so I kind of just did the application, did the interview. And again, the interview needed to be me because I was being interviewed. So my parents couldn't really help me with that. I didn't know what questions I was going to answer. So I couldn't really prepare for it. I kind of did. Like I uh, thought of a few questions that I think he would, thought he would ask and wrote them down in a thought of answers. Turns out none of the questions I wrote down actually got brought up. So I did that for nothing, but I still tried to get ready, but that didn't go very well. Um, and then after doing the interview, I got in. So, and a lot, now, from, now that I'm in TKS, TKS requires a lot of autonomy to do things by yourself. Um, like you get, uh, you get sessions once a week. And then if you're in Velocity, you get an extra session. Velocity is like an extra program on top of the Knowledge Society. Um, so, yeah, there's that. But then after that, you need to do everything by yourself. If you want to make articles, you need to write, write them by yourself. If you want to make videos, you need to make the videos by yourself. If you want to do podcasts, you need to make the podcast by yourself. Um, if you want to complete Explore Modules, you need to go through the Explore Modules by yourself. Again, Explore Modules, just explaining to the listeners, Explore Modules are like uh, a, a collection of videos and articles that you can read and watch about a certain topic to get like an immediate understanding of that topic. Like If you want to do this, you need to do it by yourself. Everything in TKS, except for the sessions, uh, you need to do it by yourself. So autonomy has really helped in TKS. What have you done in TKS? Uh, so I've done a podcast with my squad from Velocity. I've written two articles, I've made a video, and I've made three newsletters now. Um, so, and I'm planning to bring that up. I want to work harder on that because I don't think I've been doing enough of it. So I'm planning to bring those numbers up. Hmm. Looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, also um, in TKS, it's like no one's pushing you to do anything you want to do, right? So if like if I want to start like, for example, this podcast and then I can like there's no deadline. So it's like I can put it off however long I want. But like if I put it off for like a month, like at the end of the day, like the person who's losing is like me. So I have to start early. And also it's like when you procrastinate, I it's like like how long can you procrastinate for like you can procrastinate for like literally the rest of your life and then you can come to a point where it's like years have passed and you have not done the thing you want to do and it's like so this podcast i actually had the idea to start it like like a like quite a while ago but i only started it like recently but it's just i just realized like i just have to start um yeah i just have to start um, you can't like get other people to push you like also in tks like at the beginning, I wasn't used to this environment of not having deadlines set out for you, right? Yeah, like, I mean, at school, there's always deadlines. And then I just, like, if I procrastinate, there's a limit on how much I could procrastinate for because the night before the deadline, like, oh, I have to cram now. So, but in TKS, since there's no deadline, if you don't have autonomy, you'll just procrastinate forever and not get anything done. Yeah, like there, there's no one forcing you to do, to do this podcast. This was completely autonomous. You decided, I'm going to make a podcast. Um, and you did, which is great. Um, and again, as you mentioned, there's, there are no deadlines in TKS. At school, there are deadlines. Like you can technically in TKS, you can procrastinate for as long as you want. Now, people are going to call you out and say like, Hey, 
Why aren't you doing anything? That's a thing that's going to happen. People push you to work hard, but you don't have any deadlines. So it, it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of weird because again, uh, you're pushed to work hard and like I have a team of people, my squad, who keep me accountable and I keep them accountable to actually do things. Um, so I write daily updates every single day, basically saying, this is what I want to do today. Um, keep me accountable if I don't actually do these things today. Um, so, and they write daily updates as well, and I answer their daily updates. They read my daily updates. They answer my daily updates. Um, so we just hold each other accountable as a squad. And that's great, because then I kind of have fake deadlines. Like, I need to do this. Um, and there, I guess there are some deadlines in TKS, but there really aren't a lot. Um, and if you miss the deadline, you're not hurting anyone else but yourself. So in TKS, when you do something, it basically only benefits you. Uh, like, every month I need to write a newsletter. Writing my newsletter doesn't help anyone else. Right? Like, if you receive an update from me, if that doesn't... Yeah, there, there's going to be some value out of reading it. I'm not just going to send you a random spam email. Like, no one wants that. Um, but me writing my newsletter basically only helps me. Um, me writing an article, sure, you'll learn some things from, write, uh, from reading it, but it basically only helps me. Uh, doing an explore module before a session. I, like, if I didn't do the explore module, I wouldn't be able to participate in the session very well. So, it kind of only helps me. So in TKS, when there is a deadline, the only person it really helps if you hit the deadline or if you miss the deadline is you. So missing the deadline only hurts you. Yeah, indeed. And also, everything that you'll get out of TKS is something that you work for yourself. Like, TKS doesn't hand you opportunities on a silver platter. Like, you have to, like, all the value you get from TKS is, like, your self-caused value. Yeah, you, you need to work for, um, you need to work to get results in TKS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think you mentioned when you were talking about app applying that you love TKS, like, it's the main thing you do right now. So what makes you love the program? Um, I'm surrounded by people that actually work. Um, so basically my entire life, whenever I would do a team project, I would find myself being the only person working. Um, I've done two Lego robotics competitions. Um, in both of them, I'm the one that built the robot. I'm the one that coded the robot. I'm the one that tested the robot. And then... After that, everyone took the credit for what I did. But because I was young, I was just kind of like, I, I guess it's fine. But no, that that's not okay. Um, but I would always be in a team and be the only person working. So when I joined TKS, this is like one of the reasons. When I joined TKS, um, and then we did a team project where we had 50 minutes to make a presentation and everyone in my team worked for the 50 minutes. That was like mind blowing to me because everyone in the team worked. And it was weird because I kept taking extra things and kind of doing things that other people said they were going to do because in my brain, no one was doing anything else. And then when I got to the presentation and started putting things together and noticed the presentation is already three quarters done because other people are actually working. I had like something like that kind of like hit me in the face and noticed, wait, these people are actually working. So that's one of the reasons why I love TKS is because um, I'm me meeting other ambitious people who actually work um, and actually accomplish things, which like it sounds uh, like it sounds like just a normal thing. Like, being with people that actually work, um, but it's not. Like, I've done quite a lot of team projects, and a lot of them I've been the only person working. So that's one of the reasons. Another reason I love TKS is because I get so much value out of it. Um, 
Every single week, we have a new mindset, the mindset of the week. They're all amazing mindsets, and I, like, I, I love all of them. Uh, like, um, for the month of December, the mindset was appreciation. Make sure to appreciate the things you have. Be grateful for what you have. Um, and I have found, like, a, s- a switch, basically, in my head. And now I, uh, I keep catching myself going, like, if only I had this. And then I notice I have all of these things. Like, I already have internet. I already have a computer. I already have a mouse. I have a keyboard. I have a desk. I literally have a roof over my head. I have running water like a few meters from me. So many people don't have that. So the mindsets in TKS, like they make, they're just amazing because in general, I feel like I'm growing as a person. Now this is going to sound weird. A third reason I love TKS uh, is because I feel I am getting smarter after every single session. Um, that's something like it just like I feel like like my brain is growing after every single session or uh, after completing a project. I just always feel like I'm smarter than I was the day before, um, and I'm actually learning things. Like uh, one of the reasons I'm dropping out of online school and going back to homeschooling is because I don't feel like I'm learning anything at school. I feel like school is a waste of time for me. Um, so I'm going back to homeschooling and focusing more time on TKS because I find TKS more useful and I'm learning more things in TKS than I am at school. Oh, wow. Wow, feeling like your brain is growing. That's a good contrast to, I don't know, how when you spend time on the, when I spend time on the internet, it feels like you're losing brain cells every second. But yeah, wow. TKS, yeah, that's it's pretty accurate though. The sessions, like every time I leave a session, I feel very enlightened. And it's like, if you get smarter every day, that's compounding, that's continuous impro- improvement and it builds up over time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like if you if you get what one percent smarter every day, then you become like thirty seven times smarter at the end of the year. Yeah, that's another mindset we had at TKS. It's one uh, percent growth. If you improve one percent every single day, by the end of the year, you'll be thirty seven times better than you were at the start. That's insane. Like you're just improving one percent every single day, but it compounds, and at the like. 37 times better than what you were at the start of the year. Yeah, yeah, and that goes against like your intuition, right? It's like compound interest and exponential growth just goes against people's intuition. Yeah, yeah. But that that's a whole other podcast, though, to talk about uh, compounding effects and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, thinking long term instead of short term. That's a whole other thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. yeah, maybe I'll I'll make an episode on that too. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So I guess we'll end off with what is one thing that our listeners can do right now to implement autonomy into their life? Start doing things by yourself. Um, if you ever feel stuck on something, try and figure it out by yourself. Now, uh, internet is by yourself. So if you go on YouTube and follow something, you still figured it out by yourself. Um, so basically, if there's something you want to do, do it and do it by yourself. If you need help for something, tr- at least try and do it by yourself before you get help. That's something I notice a lot. A lot of people just, they get stuck and immediately try and find someone to help them. But a lot of problems, if you just spend like 15, 30 minutes to try and figure it out, figure it out by yourself, you can fix it by yourself. Um, and then you can just keep going. So my number one tip for being autonomous, start things that you want to do and do them by yourself. And when you get stuck, figure it out by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, programming is a lot of like debugging. It's like 80% of the time is just going on Stack Overflow and trying to find a solution to a problem. Yeah, 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 All right. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to First Principles, a show where we discuss mindsets and personal growth through the lens of first principles thinking. You can find the show notes at first.lauragal.ca/three. We'll be back next week with a new mindset. See you then.